Well, good morning once again. It brings me great honor when I have the opportunity to uh, preach the word and, and bring a message to us this morning. Um, we're going to continue our theme on building, uh, building on a solid foundation, building on what God has already started in this church and in our hearts, in, in, um, in our communities, and really around the world. God is on the move, and he's going to build his church. Amen? Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And the Lord does this through people power and submitting to him and uh, God's word and under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says um, in in Matthew uh, 7, verse 24, therefore everyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He does this through learning. He does this through stud- studying God's word and putting what we learn into action. Put these words into action. So we're going to build on a foundation, a solid foundation of faith, a solid foundation. These words are sound principles and continue to develop and grow in his faith and in his love of Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to start looking at the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. Now I know that might scare some people, um, but don't be scared. I understand we love you in Christ and doesn't mean um, that you have to fully embrace all these words to all these doctrines to attend this church. Um, while our organization might emphasize certain truths, we are Christians first, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, followers of the way. And we should not divide over these teachings, but the Lord wants us to love each other in Jesus' name and learn from each other. I believe that. Two years after the Assemblies of God was formed in 1914, they created a statement of fundamental truths. And they have constantly and consistently adhered to them. Their core beliefs were salvation and baptism in the Holy Spirit, divine healing, and the second coming of Christ. And so we are now the world's largest uh, Pentecostal denomination and so you might be proud of it, or some people can be proud of it, and it's a great milestone and uh, a measurement, but we still have a lot to do and far, a lot of work to do because churches are closing every day. They're closing, and pastors are falling every day, and people are laying this book, the Bible, on their tables, never to be open again. Each year, people proclaim these words in this book, but no longer believe it in their heart or believe in the transforming power and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not living it out by faith. And so this morning we're going to speak about the inspiration of the Word of God. I'm calling this message Solid Foundation Inspired Scriptures. And this will be the foundational uh, truth, number one. The Scriptures are inspired by God. And I hope that um, if you're listening to this message today, if wherever you're hearing it, uh, I believe that once again, these words are going to come alive, and, and we want to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ in these words and, and honoring God. And, and the important thing is, is that this book needs to be open. This book needs to be read. Um, and if you never heard of these words and never heard of Jesus and never heard of his love, my, pr- my prayer is that today, after it's done, that you hear about it. My prayer afterwards is that the Lord Jesus Christ will be so real to you and the words of God will be so real to you that you cannot put this book down. This book is life. This book gives hope. This book will give you joy. You just read it. I, well, I don't understand all of it. That's fine. Read it anyway. Well, I, I'm not a good reader. That's okay. Read it 
anyway. Meditate on it anyway. Look to these scriptures anyway. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know these from who you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, today. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to receive something from you today. Oh, Jesus, Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, send and start guiding us into all truth. Lord, breathe into us, Lord God. Breathe into us hope and joy and, 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 and a new understanding, a fresh fire in us, Lord God, so that we, we don't sin against you, so that we can go forward in faith, Lord God, doing the work that you have called us to do, thoroughly equipped for every good work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Smile while you're seated. It's always helpful for the preacher, the preacher when he sees smiles and pretty faces and all the, all the stuff. Um, all Scripture, all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. God's words to man, full authority, full, full of wisdom, fully being brought forth from God and safeguarded over the years so that we have precisely precisely what God wanted us to have. And because God is perfect in every way, God is unchangeable, then his truths are perfect and his words and his teaching and his doctrine is uh, unchanging and sound doctrines. And while the Bible says very clearly, all scriptures, people don't seem to receive that. They, 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 they cherry-pick scriptures. They, they take what they want, and then they throw the rest of it out. But the Bible says all scripture, all scripture, everything, all scripture. God, breathe. And while people don't seem to understand everything that's in this book, we are to believe it anyway and accept it as truth, accept it as God's word. Everything that's in this book, God, breathe words to us. Anything less, I believe, For us, accepting it is sin. But really, the more important question that I want to ask is, what do you believe? What do you believe deep in your heart? Do you believe these scriptures are God-inspired words to you, to us, to this church? That both the Old and New Testament verbally inspired words of God and are the revelation of God to man and woman and boys and girls, infallible words, authoritative rule of faith and conduct. Do you believe that word? Do you believe these are the words of God? You see, most people in the United States don't believe these words today. They they don't. And if you want to know, just ask them. Ask ask your family. Talk to family members. Talk to friends. Talk to co-workers about this book, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. Ask them what they believe. Do they believe these words? And if they say they believe these words, then look at their testimony. Look at their life actions. Look at what they're... Look at what they're not saying and what they're doing and see there's those words in this book line up for their life testimony. You'll see so often that they don't match. They don't merge. They don't fit together. You see, your belief system should dictate what you do and how you live. You got to get this. Your belief system, 
What you believe in your heart should dictate what you do and how you live. We are to live from the inside out, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who dwells in believers should lead us and lead our soul and lead, our, lead us from the inside out. The one you feed the most is the one that grows the most. You need to feed your spirit. And when you yield to the words of God, the Spirit of the God, it should move us from the inside out. It should move us closer to God wherever you are. You should now be taking steps of faith closer to God. My old pastor used to say it this way. You have two magnets and you're in the middle. Which one's pulling you? Is it you, are you getting closer to the devil and his lies and his schemes? Are you getting closer to the Lord and going that way? It should pull you. It should bring you towards God. Recently, I started reading this book, The Release of the Spirit by Watchman Nee. He speaks about the inward man and the outer man and the outer, outer man. And one of the biggest hindrances is not other people that are around you, but it's yourself. That's one of your biggest hindrances. We allow our outward man, the the soul, our will, our intellect to lead us instead of being led by the Holy Spirit and being governed by the Spirit. Romans chapter 7 verse 21 through 25 says, So I find the law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, warring, waging war against the law of my mind. They're making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work. Within my members, what a wretched man I am who would rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus Christ is is the one and only and the only way to the Father who can rescue us. And we live in disharmony with our bodies. And while we might be saints, and we are saints, we have sin, I get that, but we are no longer sinners. We are the called saints by God. Because we're either children of the King... Or we're not. We're either saved or we're not. We're either set free or we're not. We're positionally saved when you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's immediately and instantaneously you're saved like the thief on the cross. And we, we, we need to put our full trust and understanding in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved. We are free. We are born again immediately. It's a one-time event. Salvation is a one-time event. Instantaneous event. Immediate event. But then we become sanctified and we work in that process of sanctification. We work it out to be purified, to be be changed. It's an ongoing process. So progressively and practically, we grow in our faith. We continue to be saved daily. We, We live the life that we were destined to live on purpose and with intentionality. And so while you are saved, your mind still needs to be set free and needs to work things out. It it remembers everything and it recalls all the garbage that you put into your mind over the years. All the images that you've seen are still in your mind. All all this junk that you put there are, are are still there. And when we sin and we fail, we need to repent, but we don't need to be resaved. You are saved or you are not free or not, but we still live in a world, and our body has to work things out. We're not perfect yet, but one day we will be perfect, and we'll have perfect bodies where there'll be no pain. So what do we do? We have to meditate on the scriptures night and day, day and night. So the word of God says, all scriptures God breathe and useful for, bre- for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. 
But this is not just for information, right, church? This is for transformation. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's women and boys and girls and everybody. So that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I'm going to come back to this verse. Um, but I want you to consider underlining it. So that, so that, so that there's a transition. The man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But before we get to the every good work, let's get to salvation. We, we have to have a transformation take place first. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those are from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the words of God, the inspired words of God, will make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to gain access to the Father but through His Son. You must be convinced of this. You must study this. You must understand this and learn this. And people want to argue this and debate this. And, but I want to proclaim this good news of God. And I hope that you do too. Because God's words proclaim this. There's no other way to the Father but by the Son. And God's words reveal this truth. And when we look to Scripture, we need to understand that God's words are, are presented to us in our language our language, so that we can understand it. God God created language. He's the creator of language, and his words go forth and out of the teacher and the preacher and the disciple, out from the scrolls, which we call the Bible. Initially, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic, and the New Testament, Greek. And while most people don't understand uh, that language and don't understand um, maybe how to say it or read it. Many scholars who came before us did, and they wrote this Bible in languages that we can understand. And so the Bible has been translated to over a thousand languages. In some places, some things that I read said over 2,400 translations are out there. The Bible is the number one seller of books um, with over, it says 2.5 billion have been sold. And when, when you include the books that have been given away and not necessarily sold, those numbers go up to 5 to 6 billion copies. There's no other religious book or, in fact, any book on this planet that compares to the Bible. And they might have reached millions sold, um, but they haven't reached billion with a B sold. The Bible was written over a span of 1,500 to 1,600 years, 66 books, one collection, written by 30 to, uh, 35 to 40 writers from very diverse backgrounds, such as shepherds and kings in a palace, physicians, farmers, fishermen, a former tax collector, written, though, by one author, the Holy Spirit himself, with a central theme, and, and we can refer to that theme as the scarlet thread. It goes through the entire book of the Bible, a love story, uh, a story of redemption, a story of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. That should excite you. I know you're jumping for joy inside the depths of you, but that should excite you a little more than you're getting. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, but these are written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ, is, uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. First John 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know and you have eternal life. So the scriptures reveal the Son. 
scriptures reveal the Son. You may know the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Not only do we learn about the Son through scriptures, we learn through his spoken word in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God has spoken to us through the forefathers, uh, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So scripture clearly reveals his son. Now scripture also reveals the father. Again, not only through documentation, but through evidence of creation. Romans 20, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, clearly seen, being understood what has been made so that man are without excuses. For all they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart. So God is initially revealed to us through creation, through the Son, through the spoken word. Our God wants to know us. Our God wants to have a relationship with us. Our God loves us. He loves us not only 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago. He loves us today just the same as he did then. You need to understand this. And the Bible declares that. The Bible talks about his love. It's a love story from beginning to end of how much he loves us and cares for us. And he wants a relationship with us. And the Bible documents this love story to us. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this book. Thank you for writing letters to us because you love us. Write a letter to someone that you love this week and understand how he loves us so much that he sent us a telegram. He sent us a book. He sent us something that we can read and hold on to over and over again. Read it. Read it over and over again. Yes, Jesus, thank you for sending your word. I'm looking at my phone right now to the world outside of this church. Look at it and read it over and over again. You can say, yes, it's a love story that he sent to us so that we can know it. So God's invisible quality, eternal power, divine nature is clearly seen by people through creation they are without excuses they can complain all they want but they're without excuses and now they know god and they have seen the sun and they need to hear about the plan of salvation so god in his wisdom created an inspired love book penned by man but under the inspiration of god this book is trustworthy This book is reliable and true. Every word, every word, all the original uh, writings are exactly what God wanted us to to receive. This is called the inerrancy of Scripture. Every word is true in every way. Uh, This includes uh, morally and theologically and, and factually. And Scripture is also infallible. Incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. And this goes really to what God is trying to accomplish Uh, what what he's trying to accomplish theologically it's exactly what he wants us 
to know. And how do we know it's accurate? So many years ago, how do we know it's accurate? There's over 5,000 manuscripts of the Old Testament. Over 14,000 manuscripts or copies of the New Testament. And so we could absolutely, 100%, be confident of its accuracy. The copies of this book were so accurate to the detail that really if, if they saw one word, one, one word or, or letter or common, that, a column that might have been messed up, they threw out the whole thing and, and they started it over again. Um, and, if you can, and, and, and if you found any variances of spelling in accordance with the accepted usage and gram, uh, a gra, uh, grammatical uh, construction or the order of the words, we know that after those 14,000 and 5,000 manuscripts, there's like 50 variances that were considered what they say significant. And only two manuscripts left out Acts chapter 2, verse 37. But, but of these 50, not one, not one, not even one... Um, it changes really the article of faith. The doctrine and the recording of the, of the Bible is so accurate. It is exactly, it is exactly 100% what God intended for us to have. There is no doubt in my mind that scripture that we have today is reliable and it's the words of God. We know this. And so if you look at the Iliad uh, uh, for Homer or if you looked at um, uh, uh, um, Shakespeare and their writings and, and we held them to the same thing that we hold the Bible to. They, they, the, the, the English writers and the, and, the, and the universities, they hold that was written by Homer or that was written by uh, 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 Shakespeare. But, but their writers come nothing compared to the manuscripts that we have. Maybe they have 500 or 1,000. We have 5,000 and 14,000. I mean, it's just, it's just they're, they're lying to you the way they perceive the words of God. Nothing compares to the book, and it holds up to science. Science tries to formulate these theories against this book. Every time, time after time, they have been found wrong. They have found the Bible has been found to be true and accurate 100% of the time. Clearly, there is no book like this. And we put, people say, well, what is the best translation uh, to have? And, and there's a lot of answers to that. My answer is the, the one that you're going to read. Just read it. Uh, to have this great book and never open this book is damning and damaging to your soul. Uh, we have the most uh, utmost confidence that these are God's words to us and they're reliable. Now, some translations are obviously better to study than, than others. And the important thing is, again, that you read this book, that you open up this book, that you study these words, that you memorize it, that you just spend some time with it. And some, some you can stay away from. I'm not going to list those, but I will just say some of the mainstream uh, Bibles are just perfectly to read. Uh, the King James Version is excellent. Um, it uses language basically from that time period. I believe it was 1611. Uh, so many people now use the New King James Version or the New American Standard Version, which is believed to be a very accurate translation. The New, Inte- uh, New International Version tries to make it a little bit more easy to understand and possible. It's excellent as well. But all of these, every one of these translations have some strength. And they have some difficulties and some, and some weakness. Um, even, even the New Living uh, Translation or, the, or, the, or the, um, uh, the message, I know people have problems with these. I'm just saying they give you a different ease of, of reading or modern-day words. And, and so the important thing is to ask God when you're reading these, that, you know, talk to him and say, Lord, help me understand what I'm reading. Guide me in all truth. Open up my eyes and ears to understand. And I, I'll tell you, as you start, whatever those Bibles are, when you start going deeper and deeper and deeper, you're going to start opening multiple Bibles. You're going to start saving up so that you can get, get more Bibles that you can read with, so that you can get all these different nuances and shading of understanding. 
But remember, his words won't go void. His words won't go void. Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 says, As the rain and the snow comes down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seeds for the sower and the bread for the eater. So is my words that go out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God Almighty gave us these words. They will not go void. They will go out in power and understanding and authority. We just need to start embracing it, embracing it, embracing it and living it and learning it and just understanding it. Uh, Matthew twenty four thirty five: The heavens and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Bible reveals the Son. The Bible reveals the Father. The Bible reveals the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 2. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit, His Spirit. The Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by us, by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. John 16:1. all this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you. Don't you love the scriptures? I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what, he, what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. God has sent his words to you, to me, to us. On purpose and with intentionality, he revealed himself through creation. He revealed himself through his son. He revealed himself through the Holy Spirit. He inspired people through the spoken word, through the written word. He has carefully, carefully preserved his words over and over and over again with laser-sharp accuracy. His son is his word. His son is the word. And lived it out in front of man purposely and with perfection. The Holy Spirit guided men to record it diligently over and over again. The Bible, the scriptures, the words of God have been proved factually. There's no book like it. There's no book above it. There's no book better. If you had one book to take, take the Holy Scriptures with you. This is clearly God's words to us. And these are inspired words of God. Man might talk. But when you hear from the Lord, it changes everything. We see it through general, general revelation. People are made aware of the existence of God and of our great need for him. We see it displayed in creation. We see it displayed through history. We see it displayed through science. We see it displayed. Uh, it, it's in his providence. We see it displayed through, his, through human consciousness. We see it displayed through 
special revelation as well, which was given to specific individuals at specific times. And one verse that I was reading says, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. When your words came, I ate them. I ate them. There was, there was my joy. They were my joy and my, my heart's delight. We need to learn to chew on the words of God. Chew on the words of God. Chew on these words. Just sit there and chew. Chew. Don't just swallow. Chew it and, 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 and just get it inside you and just meditate on it. These are words of joy and, and to my heart's delight. Meditate them on words of, uh, day and night. Jesus is the word and the Holy Spirit uh, reveals all truth unto us. Why did he give us these inspired words? Why did he do this? Not only to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, so that, but then, so that, the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. After we're saved, after we're set free, we are to do good works. We are commanded to do good works. We, we are commanded to carry out his plan and his purpose. We, we are commanded to bring forth the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. We are to work at this daily, not just on Sunday. We're supposed to do this on a regular basis. You want to change this world. You want, you want to be world changers. Then start believing the Holy Scriptures. Start reading the Holy Scriptures. Start receiving these words from God. Start living them out with purpose and intentionality for His purpose, for His glory. So many people uh, try to quote the Bible, and yet they never open up the Bible. They feed on lies. They feed on half-truth, and they don't know what they speak of. Recently, I was at a pastor's network where there were about 15 or more pastors and ministers there, and, and I said one of the problems that we're having in the churches across America is that more pastors need to be saved. They don't believe the words that are being preached anymore because they don't fully believe in the inspired words of God, say ouch or say amen. America is falling and failing, and I believe it starts with the dumbing down of the Bible, removing prayer from our schools, and not believing and practicing these principles anymore in our life. But it goes further than that. It goes further than school. We have removed this book and its teachings from our homes. So many of them have been removed in a sense from the pulpits across America. And while they're physically there and they're physically in our homes, we no longer rely on these words. Many pastors have lost their power. They have lost their authority. They have lost their calling. Many pastors to say they, they preach it out in front of us, but they don't proclaim the good news anymore of Jesus. I've been to services after services where I hear and I listen to these preaching for, a, for an hour or so, and Jesus is never proclaimed. Well, that's not preaching to me. Now, that might be good storytelling, story um, but it's not preaching to me. No Jesus, no authority, no power, no transformation. Many claim to be teachers and pastors and leaders, but their, their father is not of God. Their father is not God. They placate to the world's standards and the world's uh, methods. They lack good sense and common sense and sound doctrine. And many are well uh, educated and well fed and their bellies are full, um, but they don't believe in scripture. They don't live and adhere to what they teach anymore. They don't believe that the gospel is relevant and it's the full story. They, they don't believe in that message anymore. They don't believe in Adam and Eve were real people. They don't believe that many of the places and the stories that that Jesus himself declared to be true. They just accept as some principles and, and some precepts that we should have. Uh, but the rest are not really uh, valid. So they discard it. Uh, they don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, be they believe only what they want to believe. 
their morality dictates their theology. They teach what is possible, and they proclaim what's easy to be received. You see, there's no cross. There's no cross. They teach no cross. They teach no sacrifice. There, there is no, no, nothing wrong. You, you, know, you could do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. There's no, no topics of sin anymore. There, there's no death talk. There's no hell talk. Uh, many of these ministers are leading their, the, their people on the way right straight to, to the grave, right straight to hell. They're cheerleading people to hell and denying these truths and denying And The majority of these people are just blindly following them and listening to them. Why do so many people not believe these words? Because the clergy denies these words. We want revival in our churches, and I want revival. I want revival. I hope you're praying for revival as well. I want revival. Uh, We need revival. But the cloth, the clergy, they need revival as well. We need revival in our hearts. We need revival in our souls. We need revival in our leadership. We need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need our pastors throughout America and throughout the world to go back to the fundamental teachings of this book. We need to start building on a solid foundation of God's inspired words and principles. These are holy words. These are the holy scriptures. We need to start elevating this book back to its proper place in society, in our homes, in our schools, and in our churches. God forbid someday that this church allows people to come up here and just talk. If we're having a God-ordained service, the gospel needs to be preached. The message needs to be clearly proclaimed that Jesus is the Lord. There is no book like this. There's no book above it. Nor will anything come like it afterwards. This book holds the keys to understanding Jesus better. It allows us to take a closer look at sin and the depravity of man. It allows us to take a closer look at how we got into this poor state of human human breakdown in society. But it also gives us the way of hope. It shows us the way of hope. This book holds the keys to salvation. When you understand these words, you understand how to have eternal life and, and live with God for eternity and, and, and forever. This book shows us the way, but we know the road is narrow, and it's only through the cross and the begotten Son of Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and he's the only one that will truly set you free. He's the only one that will give you joy. He's the only one that's going to heal our land and heal our churches and heal our home. This book assures us of our salvation, causes us to know Christ better, produces faith in our hearts, make us wise to salvation, purifies our heart, empowers us against sin, equips us to combat sin, gives us and guides us direction. This Bible equips us for service. This Bible equips us to do good work. This Bible equips us to be better leaders. This book will reveal light in darkness. This book gives us the revelation from God himself. There is no book better than this. There's no book above this. There's no book that carries the authority that this book has. And if we can only understand what I preached this morning, we will have better lives. We will embrace these truths. We will cherish these truths like words itself, like God himself is giving it to us because he did. Our life will be different. Our walk will be different. Our look will be different. Our attitudes will be different because we are different. 
We are different because we are living the truth of these words. Because this book book contains God's words to us. There is power in this book. There is light in this book. This book is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. Man might try to hide this book. Man might try to get rid of this book. Man might try to deny these words. But nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And while many try to deny this truth and fill us with lies and myths about the Bible, time and time and time again, these words will prove true. They will prove reliable. They will prove accurate. These words will reveal the glory of God. These words tell the story of creation and of a flood and of the fall and a rise of a nation, the journey to a new land. These book talks about a new law, a, new, a son, a savior, the cross, the resurrection, and the list goes on and on. Why do we reject these words? Because we reject the author of these words, Jesus Christ. We reject his son. We reject the father. We reject the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit in the process. We deny the truth because we don't submit. Because if we submit to these words, then we're accountable to the author of the book. But you might run. You might, might hide. You might deny these truths, but you can't get away from it. Creation reveals God's glory. The Son lives out this message. The Holy Spirit records it as well. Man, women, boys and girls, students, you're without excuses. One day you will take a bow and all know the glory of the Son that this book is full of wisdom and truth and will light you up and illuminate your hearts. But then, it's too late. You would have missed the moment. Then those who deny these words will be judged by the words that are in this book. But those who believe have hope. Those who believe and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are saved and set free, they're safe and they're free. And they now need to proclaim these words with excellence with zeal, with excitement. Get excited for these words. Get pumped up for these words. There's nothing like this. Have a passion and a zeal for these words because they give life. They, 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 they give life. Give it on purpose. Give it on purpose. Those who preach it and teach it need to bring the gospel message. You are ministers if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have a mandate to bring these words wherever you go. He died so we can live. He came so that you can have eternal life. He removed the sting of death. These words in this book are foundational for life. They declare the glory of God. They reveal the glory of God. They tell the story of God and Jesus Christ himself. There is power in these words, power to save, power to heal, power to change, power to transform lives. Why in the world do we not want this book? The world wants to deceive us. The world doesn't want to receive this book. But we need to cherish it like the air we breathe. We need to proclaim it like like we're just on fire for the Lord. We need to pray like our life depended on it. We need to read it like it really matters. We need to praise Him so that heaven comes down and the glory goes up. Our future depends on this. Our country depends on it. Our families depend on it. This world depends on the proclamation of Jesus Christ. When we stop believing this world, 
these words, we start weakening our soul. We start weakening our country. We start weakening our homes. We start weakening what God wants to do through us. I'm sick and tired of a sick and tired church that is small-minded and can't get past. These words are true. These are God's words. I'm tired of seeing America suffer. I'm tired of seeing Hollywood win. All the days will Well, the church is silent and people are watching and not saying anything and doing anything. I'm tired of the Antichrist knocking down the church and running around like everything they say is true. They're lying from the pit of hell. you got to get that. When Christians stay silent and they're cowering down, people die and go to hell. It's time for the church to awaken. It's time for the church to awaken. It's time for us to take a stand for holiness. It's time for us to take a stand for righteousness. It's not, we got to stop believing these words are true. It's time for us to stop making a difference. Our life depends.